0: To the NRL Supercoach All Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, and we've got here back to back weeks with Matty Persson. Perso, how's it going this evening, buddy? Yeah,
1: good Barnsley. I'm really loving that uh, the way the ladder's looking at the moment. That top four is looking pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, well I think everyone in the top four is pretty stoked about it. And I mean what there's Brisbane, Melbourne and someone else big that are out of the top eight at the moment that they're saying hasn't hasn't been that way this far into a season for years now.
1: Yeah, Brisbane, Melbourne, Cowboys. Oh, Cowboys, Employee. that's the other one.
0: Yeah, uh, a bit of a crazy year. I, um, I actually had a bit of a comeback week, which I was happy about. I ended up with an eleven twenty-two, which I was pretty pleased about because I've been struggling the last couple of weeks. But I ended up with some big down dates on DCE as my captain, and I also had um some poor reserve choices. And then I traded in Maloney and traded him in and committed to him partially because I wanted to play him against Parramatta, and he only scored 40. But for some reason, I don't know, one of those weird trade-ins where your reserves change, I, I swear that I checked it three times. He didn't end up playing for me. I ended up as, with Osarco with his 21 points as my other reserves, so I was happy with the eleven twenty-two, but a little bit annoyed that it could have been closer to 1,200.
1: Yeah, it could have been so much more. Did you, um, you oh have
0: man. a good week for you?
1: It was all right, except for captain in McDonald. MacDonald. <laughs> I took a... Matthew left field punt and he scored 34. Apart from that, I got well, i got 1,024, so if I had I'd just kept it, left the captain on Milf, I would have been
0: 1,100. Jeez, Nene was a big call, mate. Oh, it was a wild call. I needed to play a bit of catch-up. Yeah. Well, I had Milf, I had Milf with the, the C on his name for the last three weeks, and I changed it for this week a few hours before, so um, probably shouldn't have done that, yeah. but, you know, that's the way it goes. I can't pick a captain. I can't pick a captain that saved me life this year. I think there's um it's basically two boats of people this year per so. There's the guys that nail the captain and nail the reserves and the guys that, that stuff up both. And, yeah, there's not a lot between it. It's a lot of captaincy choices that really burnt people. Let's move into Market Watch. So Market Watch heading into round six is a pretty interesting one. A lot of people to talk about. Let's hit up the buyers first as normal, but maybe start off with some of the cheapy purchases. George Jennings is one number one on my list. He's... He's the number one traded in player at the moment already, and I expect that to probably be the same. 177k, and we'll talk about our TLT stuff a bit later, but he has been named to keep playing this week despite French and also um, Gutherson returning. Haynes still out, but he's a little bit away. Bit of talk that Arba will go out, and uh, George Jennings will keep his spot. He's got some pretty decent... He had a decent score to start off with, with 63 points. Only had the 30 points against Penrith in round five, but he comes up against Canberra. He scored a try in both of his games this year. And on top of that as well, he's got a scintillating BE of minus 37. So I've been eyeing him off for a couple of weeks. I think we spoke about him last week, Perso. Is he on your radar for a trade-in?
1: Well, he looks a serious option for anyone that's got likes of Dewey or you still have Qatar or something like that festering away on the um, on the pawn there. He it- Seems well, as he's just touched on there yeah, with Gallison and French back, he's still holding his spot. He seems like a pretty likely gamble at the moment, considering centre um, wings being quite barren so far this year. So he'd pretty much take anything on offer at the moment. He looks fairly solid.
0: Yeah, what are you? What are your thoughts about uh, my initial thoughts about his um his stability and sticking to the team was that um when Hayne comes back, I kind of feel like Arva is a uh, possibly the odd man out because Jennings is more of a natural winger. The what Ava is, on top of that, he's got a little bit of a combination there with his brother, Michael Jennings. So, I sort of thought that he had a decent shot at sticking. How do you sort of see it moving forward with Arthur's decisions on TLT?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it looks like he's sticking. They've dropped Hoffman for him, so um, I think that's that's probably a likely sign that he'll probably stay.
0: Yep, agreed. So, I see him as a pretty good GP purchase. And another guy that we'll move on to is a bit of a different one that... um. Interested in your opinion, because I don't really know what to make of him. Tough, tough surname to pronounce. Jack Gazuski, who came over from the Rabbitohs over to the Manly Seagulls. And he's priced at 192k. He played 51 minutes on the weekend. He's been named to start this week, but he scored a putrid 26 points in 51 minutes. But you don't get many cheapy starting forwards that come along, perso.
1: Nah, you'd have to put him on the watch list. He couldn't snap him up this week, I don't think. He's still got Lane and Winterstein on the bench as well for Manly. He uh, apparently got promoted to the starting side this week over Winterstein because of his uh, performance last week, which didn't really equate to um, Super Coach. He's, uh, he's a talented player. He's been touted for a while, being a lightly customer coming through the rabbits and that he had a couple of niggling injuries and whatnot. So he's uh, got an opportunity at Manly, but um, I couldn't bounce on him straight away for Supercoach. Coach. I'd, Definitely be watching that.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a watch. Only playing his first game. Probably the only thing that I'd say. And I was I was chatting to someone else about this. It's at a stage now where it's starting to become pretty prickly on, um, you know, making the right trades and just doing everything textbook. Sometimes you have got to jump on a guy a little bit earlier to let you make another move. I now mean, I know you know a couple of people who have to move a forward on to a cheapy to be able to execute. You know that second great move. And really, you don't get many of them, like I said. So, yeah, this this guy's basically the only option. Just to chuck out his his PPM putridness. That game was really bad for him. But in 2017, despite not playing many games, you know, he did score you know, 27 points in 27 minutes. Then it was only on the one game, though. I think so. He didn't play too many, and he really has only played one game in 18 and one game in 17. Not a lot to go and look at as far as his stats and what he could project at. but.
1: Yeah, and that, that that one game, I'm pretty sure he played in the middle too. So.
0: Yeah. Look, i tell you the other thing that I was thinking about that I'm interested in in your thoughts on per So I've always been a big Sean Lane fan, and I was kind of surprised that Lane didn't get elevated.
1: Yeah, so I'm in the opposite opinion. I'm not really a big fan of him. <laughs> <laughs> he um, played those couple of games when he came on at the Dogs two or three years ago. He looked like a likely sort of character, and he's sort of really done nothing since. Floated around, got booted from a couple of clubs, and my report's quite lazy top of training and things until he was going to Manly, but yeah, obviously I, there's a bit of hysteria around him because of those first couple of games he played with uh, the Bulldogs, he looked like he was going to be a superstar, especially for Supercoach, so I think a lot of people got a um, higher opinion of him of what actual player he is, but... He looks likely, but I don't know, for whatever reason, he's obviously not the first choice or second choice. <laughs> so, yes. Sean Lane's a, a stay-away type player for
0: Well, Maybe Jack Jack Goz will um, we'll wait another week and we'll review him next week and see how he goes against the Tigers. But another guy who's not quite in the cheapy category, but he pretty much is. Interesting one. So, again, when we talk about TLT later on in the pod, one of the bombshells from Craig Bellamy is going to be Dropping Brody Croft and the guy replacing him, Riley Jacks, priced at two hundred fifty eight thousand. He has a minus sixty one be, so that is that is pretty significant. Yeah, he hasn't played any games this year, has he? Oh, he uh, he played the he played the first round, so he's another one yeah. for the watch list for sure. But he he already has played the first game and he scored seventy one points that game, so that's in his. Uh, rolling average at the moment. So if he has another good one this week, then um, he's looking at pretty tasty trading for next week. I know a couple of guys were would, would jumping the gun, but I wouldn't be doing that with Brody Croft looming.
1: No, I wouldn't jump the gun, but definitely watch this week. If he goes half decent, then um, it could be a, an obvious out for a Lachlan Crocker. I had Roller Jacks last year for a lot of it. He, he doesn't score very well consistently with a server catch. Um, maybe that will change this year, but Even if he gets a half dozen score this week with that first score you said, he'd definitely be... (laughs) Lachlan Craig has got to go soon, and there's no one to trade him to, so definitely everyone will be watching that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, so they've got a couple of good cheapy watches this week, along with Jennings at his third game, but then we move on to a heap of... I guess, more mid-range to expensive characters. Another guy that's still reasonably priced and someone that, I'll be honest, I didn't even look at once and I was quite surprised just going through the actual numbers and stuff on how he actually looked. It's going to sound a bit a bit dirty, but hear me out. <laughs> Get ready for it. Ben Hampton. I didn't think I'd be talking about Ben Hampton at all in Supercoach terms, but um, again, later on, we'll go through the TLT stuff, but He's secured a center spot after being a fullback. And he's um, the last two weeks, he's got a, a 46 in round five and a 72 in round four in his rolling average. And he's only got one try so far this year. And on top of that, he's just got a awesome price rise as well of 53K. Went up to 287K. I was really surprised about that. And I feel like I might have dropped the ball a little bit. But he's still got a minus 28 B.E., even with Lachlan Coote coming back. So he's not a buy, but I did want to raise him because I kind of wish that we spoke about him last week because he, if I knew that he was going to keep his spot over Coote, he might have been a sneaky one to make a quick 100k per se.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't have expected him to drop him the centres and Javid Bowen to get dropped, would you? <laughs> well,
0: Bowen's another yeah. one that's just been dirt, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, well, Coote's come back, Coote's fullback and Hampton's gone to the centres and Bowen's gone, so... I wouldn't have picked that, but yeah, who knows? The, the Cowboys' draws just starting to open up the next three weeks too, so definitely one to watch. If you've got some balls and you need a trade-out, maybe you might jump on him, but I don't know how he would score at centre. The Cowboys haven't looked extremely good at all this year so far. With a Lachlan Cook coming back in that side as a um, big influence on the spawn, it remains to be seen, but uh, definitely something to watch, I think.
0: Yeah, I sort of thought that the Cook coming in would help him out a bit, and I was... I was looking ahead to, really, well, starting last week, but that didn't work out well for me, looking ahead to New Zealand, round five, followed by the Dogs, the Titans, the Raiders, Panthers, Tigers, Souths, before they hit the Storm in a tougher game. Yeah, I I thought that the draw was looking great, um, which is why I've sort of been holding strong with JT and... I probably, I would have considered Ben Hampton last week, to be honest, if I knew that he was going to stick because that draw does look pretty appealing. But, yeah, he was just an honourable mention because I feel like I missed him last week. Let's talk about some juicy stuff, Perso. Joy Arrow, did you get on him last week? No, I didn't. <laughs> How do you feel? Yeah, I was
1: feeling, <laughs> yeah. I was coming back not have him and I didn't. No, I um, went for a pod center instead did You get that.
0: I did the per se reverse, mate. I did the the Matty person reverse on Jai Arrow. (laughs) Yeah. I ended up going Merrin to James Fisher-Harris, which on face value actually worked out really well. But prior to James Fisher-Harris, I actually did it to Arrow. And then based on Fisher-Harris being, you know, 90K cheaper, I went, I'll go for the cheaper option, (laughs) Barnsie. Yeah,
1: then Arrow comes out, scores double. (laughs) Difficult, isn't it? But, he, but you can't think uh, it. Yeah, yeah. A minus 47 bird or whatever he's got. So he's still reasonably price raised.
0: Yeah, so I'll, he, rattle, I'll,
1: rattle,
0: I'll rattle off the numbers to you and then you can give us your big review on his, on whether he's a good buy or not. Because a lot of people, there seems to be two camps at the moment. There's people that say, you've missed the boat, you can't do it. And other people that are saying no, I haven't missed it at all. He's got He's still looking great. So he, he threw out 138 points in round five. He's got 68 points from round four in his average as well. And he's done that in 60 and 58 minutes the last two weeks respectively with 58 and 60 just in base points-wise. So he's chugging along really, really well. But like you mentioned, his he's BE is minus 49. So my view was that he's actually still a really good buy at 502K. And your worst-case scenario is that he's going to make 100K really quickly. And your best case scenario is he's going to be a borderline keeper if he can um, keep getting the minutes and sort of around that 58 to 60 base mark.
1: Yeah, well, he's definitely looking like one of these new guard keepers for sure um, with those minutes continuing. A lot of people are going to be um, a little bit thin in the back row this week too with Burgess still being out and Nathan Brown gone for a couple of weeks as well. So whether you can carry both of those guys or not, I don't know. If you haven't got Arrow, maybe a Fatala Mariner. Type you might want to jump a little early. I think he's still a little bit of coin to make, but it all depends who you want to get rid of and who you want to bring in and the basis of your side. But he's definitely still a buy from mine.
0: Are you going to be considering purchasing himself?
1: Yeah, I am, but I'm not making trades this week, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm just gonna let him go. It's probably going to be my peril, but just to save a few trades from here on.
0: I um, mean, the other thing as well, which is the elephant in the room that no one's talking about, is um, he had a great week. Whilst I am on the buy bandwagon, he's not going to score 138 points again all year. He's not going to score double or a double all year. He's barely going to score that many tries all year. That was his first tries uh, five rounds in, and they were both in the same game. So there's that too. Yeah, well, I
1: don't he's you, you know, going to score 138 again, but he's probably going to hit 60 fairly often.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's I'm, I'm probably I've looked at a couple of ways to, to potentially bring him in. Um, you mentioned a couple of good options for people to do it, Brown being one that we'll talk about in our potential cells. Another guy that's similar to Arrow is the guy that I did trade in, and that was James Fisher-Harris. So Fisher-Harris obviously started at lock with Merrin switching to prop, and he busted out 60 points against Parra. I really liked how he did it, though. He, um, he was offloading quite nicely. He, he's had 81 and 60 points, sorry, is the last two weeks that he's scored now. And he's had minutes in the 60s as well. So I guess one of the things that was making me 50 50 on him, per se, so before I actually settled on him last week is his PPM hasn't been great in the past. And I sort of bought him on the pretense that he looks like a player that's going to get better, and I was hoping that he would. And he made you know 50 tackles the week before. This week we saw what we wanted. He um, he offloaded three times, and he had. A huge amount of tackles and runs as well, so he looked absolutely mint. Are you a believer in um, JFH or were you surprised?
1: Yeah, no, I rate him. Uh, ever since he came on the scene, I rate him as a player. 3pm was low before because he was on the edge, so as soon as he's in the middle, he looks like the customer. Getting the minutes in the middle, he's going to he'll, he'll score well if he can stay fit. He's got a lot of niggling injuries is that his biggest problem, but yeah, he looks uh, a
0: decent crossback. Well, he's gone up about 50k, but he is a dual second row, front row, so it's going to make it easy for some guys that are stuck. Even though he went up 50k, he's still got a minus 20BE and um, 385k price tag, which is pretty cheap. Same question as Arrow. Do you think the boat sailed on him, or would you be looking at purchasing him potentially? I'd probably
1: be looking at jumping on um, Fisher Harris before Arrow at this stage if I didn't already have Arrow, only because of the price tag. And There's always a question mark. Is he going to stay there? That's the problem. Panthers yeah, forward back, they got uh, it's a really good looking forward back and they got so much depth. And it's hard to say whether he's going to maintain playing 60 minutes a The biggest question right now.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of when I was trying to think about the minutes and, and do a bit of mathematics last week on their rotations, I I didn't think that he was going to be worse than say 55. I mean, if he gets down to that 50 minute or sub 50 minute mark, that's when there's going to be a problem. And the little thing that was a bit scary to me is. Merrin's been playing such little minutes that, um, you, you have to think that Merrin's going to start getting more minutes in the middle eventually again. So, I mean, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with him. Do you reckon that he's going to stick to 60 odd or can you see him maybe, you know, dropping 10 minutes? No, oh,
1: I know. Look, <laughs> looking at the way that bench is at the moment, they would have to think it's going to stay likely with a couple of young guys on the bench. He's probably yeah. played his
0: way into it as well, hey?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, among the longer blokes out, so yeah, moved to centres. Uh, Harrowira and Naira comes in in the second round as well. And then you've got the two young blokes, Tate Ellis and the blokes known as coaching for the minute. So I can't see well, giving them too many minutes off the bench either. So for the next few weeks at least, Fisher Harris will probably stay around that 60-minute mark, you think?
0: Yep. I, I still see him as a decent enough buy as well. I suppose that you've kind of got to make a decision though. I don't think you can have... You can't have too many mid-rangers really so if you've already got like if you don't have an arrow and and you don't have a jfh i'd be picking one of them either either of them have their their good points i think probably arrows more possibility of a longer term keeper jfh is more guarantee that he's probably going to well he's definitely going to make some money um and he's going to be less investment i guess 130k less to or 115k less to buy him so yeah, I wouldn't be getting both, but I see him as a buy as well if um, if that's what you're after for sub 400. But let, why don't I let you sell to me this next guy that we're going to talk about. In your West Tigers team, Alex Twell, he's been very highly touted at Parramatta previously. Uh, what do you make of this character?
1: Yeah, he's a good player. He's a real good player. I like him a lot. He's a good PPM player for Supercoach too, so an interesting that uh, he's taken quite Pretty much thought that would happen when uh, Packer did his know that he'll come in. So, just a a big watch on his minutes. If he can get 50 minutes, then he's a pretty good option because he'll score 50 to 60 points.
0: Yeah, so his PPMs was 1.12 last year. It's 1.14 so far this year. So, it's very steady. He's gone between 39 and 49 minutes in his five games he's played this year off the bench. Obviously, starting now is the, the, the nice thing. You know, against the storm, he did 49 minutes and he had 49 in base with nothing else, and he's obviously got the ability to get those TBs and stuff too, so interesting. I guess the only drawback, per se, so is, is 437K, so the two forwards that we spoke about before him seem like probably better buyers to me, but Alex Twelve's developing a bit of a pod fan club.
1: Yeah, his price tag's a problem because he did sort of average around 50 last year coming off the bench, so he's he never started this year cheap. You, know, you, you definitely couldn't take him over a few of the other guys, that's for sure. He's a similar boat as and earth was in the same sort of thing and he's sort of trucking along all right as well but he hasn't, he's not quite stepped up to that over a keeper sort of price tag so sort of that mid-50s, so yeah, I don't think I could pick him up but I'll definitely be watching his minutes, that's the key. If he somehow could jag 60 minutes then i will be all over him like a cheap suit.
0: Yeah, I mean I guess we're, we're in a good position where he's got a mid-40s BE this week so we can just watch and see. You're right, if he, if he can get sort of that upper 50s to 60-odd to minutes, then, then that's going to be really, really interesting. And the Tigers also play round 13. He's front row forward only, though, which is a little bit annoying, but I guess front row forward's pretty pretty loose at the moment anyway with the lack of options.
1: It's super down on his head, and I can't believe the uh, front row forward was always a guy he picked any number of guns.
0: Oh yeah, well you could just put all you could just put all your back <laughs> rowers in there, couldn't you? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw Gal in, Trent Merrin. Doesn't matter if they're playing on an edge of their front rails as well, you know. It was pretty easy before.
1: Yeah, my front rows still to top full of bloody mid range tubies at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I thought that I did the smart move and I anchored it with Sam Burgess there, but um, obviously he went down last week, so that killed me. So let's move on yeah. to sorry, Persa. No, you're on my Let's move on to the next sort of mid-range type guy who's being talked about, and this is going to be a good one, mate, because I'm a little bit of a fan, and I know you're the opposite to a little bit of a fan. So this is going to be good. I was uh, on the BJ bandwagon in the preseason. Now, I never thought he would 100% be a great buyer. I just did him as a bit of a hand grenade pod to see if I could hit because he was only around 400K in my center wing. And he's looked... um, He hasn't been fantastic, B.J. Lailua, but, you know, he's looked pretty interested, which is good. And he obviously rewarded me um, on the weekend with his best score of the season of 86 points where he scored a double and dropped the ball over the line, which he seems to do every week, which would have probably brought him up to 130 points if he would have just held on to it. So he's been spoken about a little bit. He's 406,000, and he's currently... Got a be of seven, and he's coming up against the Eels and Souths in the next two weeks. So I mean, I can see why people are talking about him. I think a lot of it though is probably because Centre Wings, such a tough spot this year, and at anyone around the four hundred k market, it, it might be a decent punt.
1: Yeah, I couldn't go near it <laughs> because of how bad the Raiders are. To be honest, yeah. Reason. I still haven't thrown enough out of them compared to what they were a couple of years ago when they were in the top four. Where BJ and Rapana were getting all that ball. He had a decent week last week, but he's like forty two and thirty for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, if I get no interest in him at all.
0: Yeah, I'm um I've got a lot of interest because I started with him. But um I'm not (laughs) sure if at this point even being a BJ fan club member whether I would actually support purchasing him. Um, I don't think it's a terrible, terrible move. I can understand people doing it. And, I, look, certainly against Parramatta and South, the next couple of weeks, I could see him continuing on a little beach.' run. have been
1: going along all right. Souths have been going a lot better than I thought, actually. I mean, they, we were in that game with the Dragons quite well on the weekend, so I wouldn't be looking to them for points. The Eels, yeah, well, they're ordinary. <laughs> anything good happen this week. <laughs> he, he might score another double this week, and then he will go through the roof. But, yeah, it's... Probably this year, harder than ever before. Like we've spoken about it a few times in other podcasts, how close the comp's going to be, and looking at the draw is perilously um, dangerous. Because <laughs> it's just, uh have a go at the top four, we've got now at the start of the season, That anyone said that that was going to be the top four, and the Warriors and the Dragons would be undefeated, and the Tigers would be sitting there with one game that they shouldn't have lost. Um, you would have caught it again if you predicted that, so... very hard to try and uh, look ahead at the draw. Anyone can beat anyone on any given day, so it's really tricky this year, which is good.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we we really should have just targeted last year's top five or six teams and and built players around playing them in our sides, and we would have been all right, hey?
1: (laughs) Well,
0: I I like BJ, so I disagree with your assessment because I'm happy to have him, but no, (laughs) I'm going to agree with you. I, I would not be buying him at 407k at the moment. Probably because, as well, there's um, there's a lot of other options to grab this week. You know, I'd much prefer just to grab a George Jennings and make some cash in the centre wing. Um, I think that this year so far has shown that investing in, in too much money in your centre wing has probably been fool's gold to start the year, which is unfortunate as a Rapana owner, owner, but, yeah, it seems yeah, to be that way. Going back,
1: going back to the old uh, stock market centre wing, isn't it? Buy low, sell high.
0: Oh, it has, hasn't it? I mean, mate, it's really, you know, I think the key was everyone stacked their fullbacks, but I think that the key build for the preseason was to stack your halves and your fullbacks and forget about the cheapy halves. That would have been my my go if I could have had a crystal ball. (laughs) Well, we'll move on, mate, from BJ on to some genuine guns. And these are the interesting ones to talk about when we're talking about buys. And we've got a couple of um, head-to-head battles going on here with the next two buyers. The first one's in our front row, or in our forward pack. Gal versus Fifi, two guys that um, are being looked at pretty closely as upgrade options for, um, for a lot of people's teams to sort of get some quality in there. Uh, I'm looking at both of them myself. Gal and Fafita both scored 80s on the weekend, and they both did it in style. Um, and Gal managed to play 71 minutes against the Roosters, um, which was a big uptick. And both of them well Fafita's just on six hundred K and Gao's at five hundred and ninety K. But they they looked really good on the weekend.
1: Yeah, dirt cheap for Gow and is A lot of factors in this. He's been easing back into fitness. He barely had much of an off-season at all, and playing 71 minutes on the weekend looks like he's probably starting to come back into a bit of fitness. Also, worth noting that game, there was only 15 penalties in that game, and both teams completed at 80%, so there wasn't a lot of stoppages in that game, so it was finally sort of back to normal with all this the penalty saga that's been going on. So it sort of helped the middle forwards because they got more minutes. Yep. So hopefully that's a trend that's going to start coming again because this stock's are stuff's been horrendous. That was a, a bit more of a flowing game. Very juicy, very, very juicy option, Gallon, isn't he, at five ninety. Yeah,
0: um, he is. And tell you the other thing, Perso, with how, how juicy he is, he, he hasn't been offloading this year, which has been my biggest concern with him because he, I always thought at the start, you know, the minutes will come, but he's not offloading. He had four offloads on the weekend, which I really like.
1: Yeah. He started to look more like Gal
0: again.
1: So has been sneaking along quite nicely, really, compared to the other sort of the front row forward options. He's fairly consistent and went up to his 80s on the weekend as well. So and plenty of his allegiance with Tonga as well. He's not playing Origin, so it's uh, both of them, Gallen and Fafita definitely on the radar to bring in if you don't have them.
0: Well, how good is it that you can have Gallen and Fafita for your first buy and they're not playing Origin? Fantastic. No, uh, it's I mean that's why I'm looking at both of them at the moment, trying to decide what to do. And that's what Muddy's award is, I guess, when you're when you're looking at guys like an Arrow or a JFH. I don't think many people can afford to go arrow and gallon or arrow and Fafita in one week. Um I guess with gallon and fifi they can both wait a week, but they're gonna go up. They've both got um sort of, you know, fifty fifty ish to mid fifties break evens. So they're not gonna go up terribly much, I guess. You could kind of wait a week and see, but I'm I'm starting to look at them as must-haves by round thirteen.
1: It's yeah, definitely looming as must-haves. G- oh, Gallon's, as we said before, Gallon's a very juicy price this week, he and I reckon I'm starting to go on a bit of a run there, a bit of fitness. So. I prefer to you, obviously if you're looking at buy planning seriously, you probably do want both in your sword come uh, that first buy round.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a question for you about the um, I guess one of the things with Gallon that I wasn't sure about is he has. You know, rattling off his scores, he's gone 40-40, 59-50, 40, 84. Are you confident enough because he looked good on the weekend, he's back? Or, I mean, the glass half-empty approach that I was tossing up in my head is it's only one game that he's really looked that good. Maybe it was, you know, an outlier and he, I need to see a few more games of it.
1: Oh, definitely. That's definitely a um, a worry, as I touched on before, because that game was so more free-flowing than a lot of the games this year. With the penalty count and whatnot, it's definitely... <laughs> Definitely a concern. I wouldn't say you want to pounce on Gallon this week, but you know, it could be one of those ones where you take the punt and you, it pays off. But definitely the safer options to watch again and see what happens this week.
0: Who would you trade in first out of Gallon and for feeder right now?
1: Probably for feeder because he's been um, consistently, a little, like he's been around that mark, that 60 mark.
0: Yeah, he's definitely been more stage. consistent.
1: And true to form, he always the last couple of years has been a little bit sluggish. First sort of month, and then start to warm into it, and that, that sort of look like what, what happened on the weekend. So I'd be a bit more confident with Fafita than I would with Gallon at the minute.
0: And Fafita's averaged sixty two uh, minutes as well. So uh, yeah, I um I'm I'm more on the Fafita bandwagon as well as far as my first purchase, just because of Gowen's age and and
1: and particularly how front row forward there is no one really doing anything except for no, <laughs> well, not many averaging over sixty.
0: Yeah, well that's the other good point as well. I mean, if Fafita wasn't setting the world on fire to start the year, you know, fifty seven fifty six for the first two rounds, it wasn't great, but it actually stood out because his fifty seven and fifty six was better than the forties and crap that other keepers were throwing out there. So he actually hasn't scored below fifty three points in any game and he's scored you know, seventy two plus two out of five now. So yeah, I'm I'm all over Fafida at the moment and trying to work out how to best get him in, so He's going to win that trade in battle for, for this week for me and you're in agreement. so I think he's a safe bet to probably go through the floor and score 30 points now, Pursa. <laughs> yeah,
1: H-I-H. H-I-H, first, first hit-up,
0: mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's look at our other one, mate. Let's uh, go head-to-head. We've got Milf versus SJ, another juicy one. Um, you mentioned Croker before. He's going to be on our sell list for sure. So a lot of people suddenly are looking like they've got some room in their halves and they could look at that as an upgrade. So I've already got Milf. Some people are obviously buoyed by last week's points, which happens often. But with someone like Milford, it was always going to come. And like I believed it was always going to come. And this might be the start of his run now that he scored his 100 points last week. Whereas SJ is another interesting one because I can see why he's a really good buy as well. He's got, I think, six out of the next eight games are at Mount Smart. Something ridiculous. Yeah, so something like that. One, two, three, four, five. Five out of the next seven are at Mount Smart before he hits a buy in round 13. So if you are going to jump on SJ with the um, buy coming up in round 13, I suppose it's got to be happening pretty soon. Plays the Broncos at home this week. Who's your preference out of these two characters?
1: Well, I started with MILF, so I've still got MILF and I'll be holding MILF, but if I was looking to bring a guy well in, SJ out of MILF for sure. Yep. I wish I had a start SJ over JT, to be honest, but then he missed a couple of games anyway. But, yeah, both good options. I would definitely be looking to
0: bring it in SJ. Yep, I'm torn on this one. I don't know. If I didn't have either of them, I'm not sure who I'd bring in out of them. I think they're both pretty decent trading targets, and it's kind of going to come down to preference. You know, if you believe in... I've
1: got more faith, uh, more faith in the Warriors' form at the moment over the Broncos. And the Warriors are flying, and, um, yeah, I reckon they'll still they'll, they'll beat the Broncos.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, comp- I'm completely devoid of conventional wisdom, perso. So, just <laughs> I'll go out on a limb and I'll get it wrong again. But I, I've, I've been feeling like the Broncos are going to turn it around, and I feel like this is the week that they're going to do it. Whereas the Warriors, I've been waiting to start to not necessarily completely fail like they have in the past because I think they've earned the right to, you know, recognise they're not going to do that. But I don't think they're going to be as good again, and I can sort of see that starting to happen now. Having said that, it's why I've held off on some of these Warriors buys for the first few weeks of the year and they haven't fallen off, so I'm probably wrong on that one, I guess. But um, yeah, SJ's got really good scores when you look at his games. Three out of the four games are 80s, whereas Milf has been the the slow, slow churning, bad score of 18, okay of 57 and 50, and then a bad score of 32, and then he busts out 100, so yeah, both of them are good buys. I mean, I guess Milford's almost 100k less, so that might be a factor for some people, but I don't think you can go wrong either way, really.
1: Yeah, if I didn't start with Milford, there's no way I'd be bringing him in, to be honest. After one performance, he's been fairly average <laughs> so far. So, yeah, people getting caught up with that one score. Yeah. He came out and never done a score this week, but i definitely... sj has been that consistent for the last two years. He's one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent super coach half. In the competition, the old roller catcher thing is well and truly gone. He was a 60 uh, 60 gun, and then last year and then the year before, he, he just missed out by one game when he got injured and broke his ankle. So, see, the roller, and that was behind a, a, a worse back than what they got now. The side tends to be going really well. So, that shows, yeah, Hot not see been um, not averaging a decent score.
0: Well, you are the stats, fan, so let me finish off this little debate with a stat for you. One of the reasons why. I wasn't quite with you on, on all of that is because I keep going back to the fact that last year, Milf scored 60 point, over 60 points 70% of the time, which is you know, pretty ridiculous. And that's that was very surprising to me when I was looking at it in the preseason. 70% of the time last year, he scored over 60. Whereas Sean Johnson only did it 56% of the time, which is still really good. But I guess the point that I keep coming back to in my head is, well, if he did it 70% of the time last year, you know, and he hasn't done it four out of five games this year, then surely he's, got, he's ready for that big run, so it comes back down to sort of, you know, the average of what he's meant to be doing. So, I mean, the, the numbers is what sort of stuck out to me, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, that's why I started with him, especially with his numbers with Gary uh, Nicarima, Keller and um, Boyd as the other spine members, He averaged like nearly 80. So, that was the exact reason why I started with Milf, but down the line factor there is the uh, Broncos forward pack's not as good as it was and (laughs) they're not uh, holding the middle of the the field, so that's having a massive effect on Milford's performance.
0: Very, very good point, mate. And Darius Boyd's also been pretty crappy as well, so, yeah, that's a good point as well. It's probably not the same team that he had last year. All right, well, let's move on to the sells or holds. Now, probably the first one I want to talk about, let's start off with the cheapies again. This is a guy that I'm, um, I'm not sure about, so I'm going to get your opinion on it. Jermaine Asako at the Broncos, looks. he's, he's definitely peaked 303k for the time being, 42 i I'm a little bit gun-shy on this one because in the past, one of my big errors on Supercoach has been to give up on a centre wing in particular early and have them score a double or even just score a try and then go back on that money-making run again, and I miss that second wave of, of money. And Asako hasn't scored many tries this year. I think he's only scored maybe one from memory, if not. No, he actually he hasn't scored a try yet. So all of his, and he's also a goal kicker too. So I'm just a bit worried at um, a 42 be. All he needs is a try as a winger, which is easy to do against the Warriors. Kick three or four goals, and he he's back on the money making train. What are your thoughts about um, Asako at the moment?
1: No, he's a hold. He's not hideous, he and that's exactly it. Yeah, he needs another try or a try assist or something in the game. We'll cut our little attacking stats and he will start to make a bit more money, especially with the barren wasteland that centre wing is this year for cheapies. You're going to point him out to uh, unless you've got lots like, of money sitting there and you feel like he's, uh, you can use a duel or something and pick up a forward and maybe move a Madison back to centre wing or something, but he's a hole for mine.
0: Yeah, I think he's a hold as well. I understand people selling him, but I think he's one of those one of those classic errors where there's a good chance that people are going to be very upset in the next fortnight. He'll snag some meat, and everyone will wish that they didn't sell him. So yeah, I'm I'm saying that I reckon you stick with him another week or two as well. He doesn't project to lose a heap of cash at the moment anyway. But another guy who is a little bit more interesting is our south friend Dewey, who is on the bench last week. Came on with ten minutes to go, I believe and now has a BE of 26. I unfortunately have him, and I'm not sure what to do. He's, he's made some decent cash at the moment. He's priced at 250k, but playing off the bench again, if he's only going to play 10 minutes or something, he's going to start losing cash pretty quick.
1: Yeah, he's a massive sell. I was never convinced on any money purely because of the time frame that he was going to have there. He didn't have a guaranteed game guarantee time, so... He didn't score too bad when he was playing, but he's the ideal trade out for a Jennings. George Jennings is that type of guy, so um, that's an ideal trade this week, doing the George Jennings.
0: Yeah, that is a really good trade actually. And you're gonna you're gonna pocket what eighty K or something out of that. And then you're gonna be able to use that somewhere else for an upgrade. So it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I think he's he's an obvious sell as well. I guess only think the only thing in the back of my head on it is if, if Reynolds just would go down again. <laughs> If he could just go down this week before we hit the weekend, it would be super because um, he, he's gonna have it's going to happen again. Per se, we both know it. In the next month, uh, Reynolds is going to be down again, and Dewey is going to go on a, a point scoring run for a few weeks and, and hit a heap of cash. So that's the only thing in the back of my head. It's a he's a sell, but it's a really annoying sell.
1: Yeah.
0: So let's move on from Dewey and talk about the less obvious ones because there's a couple of conundrums coming up with some guns or semi guns that. I'm going to create quite a few decisions. One of the best guns over the course of Supercoach history has been Jonathan Thurston. And a lot of people are jumping off the Thurston bandwagon already. He's uh, got a 92 BE. He did not have a good game on the weekend against the Warriors again. But he still scored okay at 47 points. So I'm going to do a bit of devil's advocate here. So everyone's down on JT and stuff. My glass half full positivity as an owner. I started with him. And he's probably played about as bad as what he could have, and he still averaged 55 points for me. So, for someone who's playing that terrible, 55 points, you could do a lot worse. 54 points in round one, followed by the 110, 42, the 20 stinker, and the 47. Just in a vacuum, those points, considering he's played so poorly, it's probably not as bad as what people are making here. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely no way, so in jack. He's he him in to lose to the first bye round. He's a little bit rough in the Cowboys' form, and it's been great, but he's still, considering the Cowboys' form, um, he's still been scoring reasonably well, so there's absolutely no way I'm, I'm punting him, and the Cowboys' draw the next three weeks doesn't look too bad, so I wouldn't be surprised if JT averages 70 odd over the next three weeks. I'll go with my pitch. back helps him out a lot as well, that combination from the back. And, um, yeah. No am i showing JT.
0: Yeah, I'll go one better. I'll say he averages 80 over the next few weeks. He's there all, yeah. th- all three games in a row are up there at home for, for the Cowboys, which is great. JT against his, his old club, the Bulldogs, he normally steps up against them. And then they've got the state rivalry against the Gold Coast Titans, also up in Cairns, or Townsville, I should say. And then they've got Canberra at home as well. So, those three games there that just screams points to me. And then even when they go away, you know, they've got Penrith Tigers south. You know, yeah, those sides are going okay, but it's it's not a bad run. And like you mentioned, he plays round 13. So, I'm all over holding JT. People should really consider how bad he's played and, and how not terrible his SuperCoach scores have been, averaging 55. And also consider... exactly right. Yeah. He's, he's, aver- he's average considering how bad the Cowboys have been going is pretty
1: good there's no yeah you know, I'd be holding for sure
0: yep and now that we've said that how many people do you reckon in two weeks time are going to be saying should I be buying JT back I sold him two weeks ago
1: <laughs> you see it all the time don't you it's going to
0: happen I guarantee it
1: especially Oregon trades are going to be crucial this year over the back end of the season the, the buy round has been completely different they have been in recent years you're not going to make up the ground you used to so you're going to make up the ground over the back ends when you've still got trades so I mean, trading out j t at the moment is silly, I reckon.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great point by you as far as the trades go. It's just suicide for round 13 because, I mean, look, you're not going to burn a trade getting him back in in four or five weeks' time. And if you don't have him in round 13, you're cutting your own throat at the moment if you've started with him. It didn't cost you anything to have him in your starting side and he's playing in round 13, just hold on to him. Surely there's some other ways that people can um, restructure their halves. But a lot of people are selling him anyway, Perso, so we'll move on. Um, He's a definite hold for both of us. But another interesting half gun that people are talking about selling is the number one player in Supercoach, Gareth Whittle. So a lot of people around the traps are posting trades with Widdop going out and and some average guy going out and getting two big guns in return like you know at the moment you can get an SJ plus 160k to spend on a on a position elsewhere. Gareth scored 29 on the weekend against Souths and um, a lot of people probably expected him to be a genuine captaincy choice so maybe the the gloss has come off the Widdop bandwagon a little bit with 29 and 55 in his last two scores and priced at a massive 800k with a one of the most huge break evens we'll probably
1: see all year. Ah, this is always going to happen. There's no way I'll be getting rid of him if I own him. The Dragons are on absolutely on fire. His big scores will come back, that's for sure. The, the game on the weekend, like I said, touched on earlier, um, Souths was in that game a lot more than I thought they would have been. It was a low-scoring game, so when I mean, he's going to have those games.
0: I thought you got um, dudded as well. How about that? Um, that Shepherd that got called against the Dragons when they, yeah, were, they were going to go on a yeah.
1: run. Yeah, that was pretty ordinary. Well,
0: the next three out of four so, are at home as well for the Dragons. that's uh, no, it's
1: that way you get rid of him. He's a big price dog. Unless you brought him in when he had a unbelievably massive negative B.E. and you were looking to make coin off him or whatever
0: Yep.
1: to step up, then, yeah, you would sell him. you pick up an SJ or something like that now. But if you started with him or you picked him up, God, just, yeah, you're not going to get rid of him you gonna cop look like he's made a ridiculous amount of coin, but you're gonna lose a ridiculous amount of coin and then he'll make more coin again. He he'll be very close to being the best half super cash wise this season, if not easily the best half.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. And I mean that's that's one of the other things that um people don't think about, I think, sometimes when they're trying to make money and then they see the cash or whatever. One of the things that I say to a few of my mates and stuff that talk about selling Guys like Gareth Whittup is, you know, when they turn around and say, oh, but, you know, he's $800,000, you know, he's so expensive, he's going to start dropping coin." The best way to look at it, there's a reason why he's $800,000. He is the most highest-priced super coach player in history, and that's not because he's been average. You know, he's priced that way because if you own him, you know, you're doing really well for yourself, so why would you change that for? So that's sort of how I look at it as well. But, um, yeah, I I don't think you should be selling Gareth Whittup. I would be more comfortable with Gareth Whittep than any other half that I could get in, and that would be the other reason why I'd be keeping him too, Pursa.
1: Yeah, I don't forget about the birdie and just roll with a couple of Dutch goals here and there.
0: Yeah, at the moment, I'm planning ahead and looking at um, trying to sell a Maloney to Whittep in the future to try and get him in, maybe even in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, no-one should be selling him, I reckon. But we'll move on to some other guys that I guess were looked at as keepers but now are looking at trade-outs. Nathan Brown looks at maybe around eight return. People are looking at selling him. Normally I wouldn't be looking at I'm a big Nathan Brown fan, as you know, and I want to keep him, but um he's out for maybe two possibly even three weeks, um if it gets pushed back a little. At the moment that's a real that's real really awkward. If he's out for three weeks it becomes a bit hard. I'm also a Surges owner. So this week I've got Brown and Surges down. It starts to become a little bit difficult and I am tossing up myself whether I should sell Brown to try and strengthen up my side so I don't have a bad week. Where are you on on Nathan Brown at the moment? I haven't actually seen too much on his injury, to be honest.
1: Uh, Slight ankle injury or something, wasn't it, I think? But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I own Sergis and Brown, so it's getting a little bit tedious holding on to the pair of them. But round eight's only two weeks away. Brown's been pretty consistent. Not many middle forwards are scoring as well as he is. Hard to get rid of him. He looked really good on the weekend too. 71 yeah. minutes. And yeah, he was passionate. Never everything. The side was crap. He still at 76 points or whatever it was. I'm loath to move him on. I'll probably just hold him or cover him with guys like Rocco and Mariner and that kick out. All those sort of guys still, still sniffing around, scoring half dozen. So I'm probably just going to take a, a hit of points for a couple of weeks and hold him, I think.
0: Yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm not sure if I'll be able to with me and my ranks at how little room fairer I've got for for any more dug leagues. So I'm undecided. So I, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll sit on the fence on this one. Personally, I, I don't think anyone's wrong for maybe saying, you know what, I'm just going to burn a trade. I'm just going to sell him. And if I have to buy him back, you know, round 12 or something for the round 13 buy and then keep him, I'll, I'll just have to do that just to not sacrifice my points for the next week or two. Because uh, he, there is a chance that he'll miss round eight as well, potentially, and be out for a few weeks. I think the injury was initially thought to be worse than what it was. So, yeah, I reckon you can go either way on that one, but you, you're definitely going to be burning a trade wanting him to come back in um, as well for that round 13.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. You're going to want him for round 13. So, I mean, and Sergius is out this week and he's back the next week. So I'm
0: happy to sort of cop a bit of a hit this
1: week and see what happens from there.
0: Well, guy, I haven't been happy copping hits on has been Rapana, That's someone who started with him. We sound like a broken record on this pod. We've been chatting about him on every market watch. <laughs> but you know what? Every single week, he's worth chatting about because every single week, there's a new slew of owners that are selling him. So, he's um, everybody is well and truly jumping off the train. He's 43 points last week and it was really gut-wrenching because it turned out to be a game where he started off looking really good. He had that almost length of the field try where he got pulled up short, and then he had that catch in the air that he offloaded to BJ to score a try, and he just looked like looked like everything was going to go great. And then, you know, I think maybe twenty minutes in, there was just nowhere to see him. He, he couldn't find him anywhere. He wasn't taking enough hit ups. He wasn't looking at offloading when he was running. Wasn't breaking tackles. And he just didn't look like he was gonna be involved again. Um, it was really depressing because I, I actually thought that he was maybe gonna throw out a ton last week.
1: Yeah, well the older partner would've, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. That was uh, oh, I'm glad I got rid of him when I did about three weeks ago. I at start of anymore, I thought he would have been able to maintain a sixty average again this year, but oh, the right, it looked terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing doing there. A couple of attacking stats on the weekend, he didn't have hit 50. So, I mean, that's not, that's not really a part of the last couple of seasons.
0: No, he had 43 points. And the, the saddest part about that stat per, so it's his best score in three weeks. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you've held on him this long, do you just ride it out and hope he comes good? I suppose that's the question now.
0: Yeah, well, as an owner, I mean, i I am going to. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my advice if someone asked me would be to hold him. And it's not to hold him because he's a great player. It's to hold him just because he's only four hundred eighty-eight thousand now. You know what are you really going to get for four hundred eighty-eight thousand that you're more confident in going on a bit of a run? And the you know, the reality is that you're taking a couple hundred thousand hit or, or whatever it is, hundred seventy thousand or something hit on his on his opening price if you started with him. So like I feel like if you're prepared to drop that sort of coin and keep holding him, that Now's not the time to decide to abandon ship. If you wanted to abandon ship, you had to do it a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to go down with the ship. I just don't think there's much benefit in me selling him now because, A, I don't know who I would sell him to, and, B, I've already caught a massive hit.
1: The only option you've got is to downgrade into a George Chennings or something and use that coin elsewhere to to bulk something else up.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking, again, you're right about the draw. It hasn't really worked out, but Canberra... Did I thought they did look a lot better against the Bulldogs?
1: Uh, they're bottom four, mate. Canberra bottom four.
0: Yeah, they can't. They can't lose. They can't keep losing every game for five, six weeks in a row. Though I don't think they've got to have some some wins in there and some better form. I guess. Yeah,
1: I don't know. You've been watching them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I been mean, trying not to. There's been I put the hand in front of the eyes a few times, but the yeah, um. Well, the the draws: Para Souths, Cowboys titans in the next month i mean look you know you could be
1: lucky to win one of those i reckon
0: you're probably right i'm not i'm not looking for wins i'm not a canberra fan i just want them to score points in the process of getting (laughs) a heap of losses so i mean as long as they're putting up you know 24 point games and stuff in their losses which they've got every every right to be doing with the roster they have uh, i'm kind of happy with that so but you know if they're going to go on a run if they're going to do anything, if they're going to just be competitive and and be good in attack, it's going to have to happen the next four weeks. Because aside from the Cowboys, Power, Souths, and Titans, three out of the next four, they should be able to attack against those sides and score some points. So that's probably the the last line on the obituary for partner. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, hang on to him. Hang on
0: him, Barney. <sighs> oh, it's going to be it's going to be the last line on my obituary. I tell you what, but we'll move on because it's depressing. <laughs> So, away from Rapana, and probably one guy that I actually uh, we didn't talk about too much because it's a bit of an obvious one, but Croker was on our list as well. So, Croker, Lachlan Croker, that is, is a definite sell. I think everybody knows that, so get him out of your side straight away. There was a couple of other guys that are a little bit fringe Cell types that are sort of starting to get towards peak that a few people are talking about. We'll just quickly touch on him. Havili was one. I was really happy that I started with Havili. I'm actually going to hold. No,
1: him. Yeah, he's a he's a massive hold. I can't believe the sensation about selling him at the moment.
0: No, well, even the um the official super coach podcast were talking about uh, about selling him, and I I nah, I, I did a double take because I he's got like a seven break even, and he's. Mm. He's been really good and he actually he's actually starting to a, get minutes. He's
1: not a self, he's not a self for another two or three weeks, and that's if he doesn't get any attacking stats in those two or three weeks. Massive hold, yeah. I can't believe people trying to say get rid of him. That's one of the craziest ones I've heard.
0: Yeah, I'd be, yeah, he's, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm glad that I've got him in my side. The other one was someone who I did consider selling a bit early, and that was Matt Lodge, who I can see a few people lying off. He's got like a 18BE, so he's certainly you know going to make some more cash, but that looks like it's going to plateau out pretty soon. He's sort of been a mid-40s to low-50s type of guy. Yeah, he's not
1: far off perking, but you're going to hold on to him until the, the end point, really. So I mean, if getting rid of Matt Lodge is the biggest of your concerns, then I want your time.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be holding him too. I guess the only reason I looked at selling him was to um, get Joyaro Arrow in. If I was going to have to hold Nathan Brown, that was probably going to be my only avenue to be able to get him was to be able to part ways with Lodge. So, I mean, would you do Lodge a week or two early if you could do a, you know, a Lodge to Arrow?
1: Yeah, that's a fairly justified trade. You're going to Lodge to Arrow this week, but it's not bad because Arrow's going to make twice as much in the next couple of weeks than Lodge will. So it all depends. Yeah, it's not a bad trade.
0: All right, well... Let's uh, finish off Market Watch and move on to TLT. So it was a bit of an interesting one. First game per se Thursday night. Very happy that I get to watch a Thursday night game this week live without recording it with my team, the Sydney Roosters, going up against our arch rivals, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I always it's love these ones. Yeah. yeah, and they always build each other, don't they, these two teams? I love it. So
1: It's always a good game. It's a great way to start the round.
0: Yep. Makes me excited for Thursday night footy. So the Roosters are unchanged after their um, their Goodwin and Cronulla. The only, I guess the other little difference is Frank Paul Neuasella has made his first appearance in the top 21. So he's come in on jumper 21 at the expense of Lindsay Collins. So maybe he's going to start to look getting some game time in the near future potentially. But certainly he'll probably play around 13. Nothing that's significant for Supercoach though. Roosters are rounded into form, Perso. Am I being a biased fan here? or Were they actually looking pretty genuine on the on the weekend as contenders?
1: Oh, I don't know how good the Sharks are going, but um, yeah. No, the Roosters, they're, they're tracking along alright. They're only going to get better. There's a combination with the new Spawn continues to combine. They look a lot better on the weekend. So, and they sneakily haven't been playing their best footy with their sitting fifth. So Sharks are looking pretty good.
0: Yeah, Reese Robertson quietly had a game that, looked, that, that just reaped of someone who was going to get dropped the week before. <laughs> he uh, was a completely different player from the, the stinker he put out the week prior. So that helped. But Rabidos, they've got Adam Reynolds back for the second week in a row. He actually went off 10 minutes early on the weekend, which is why Dewey actually got on the field. But It looks like he's fine. The side that they've got has got a few nice ins, one of them being Richie Kenner. Um he's back after a couple of weeks off with his hamstring. So he goes onto the wing with gay guy back at center and Hamel Hunt drops out. Now I we were saying a couple of weeks ago everybody should be holding Richie Kenner. Anyone who sold him, and there was a reasonable amount of people that did, are gonna be absolutely filthy this week after they watch him make a heap of cash again.
1: No, I understand why he would get rid of him. He was he's got a pretty decent base too, so I mean he's a hold well and truly beyond this week when he after he plays and gets the money, so he, he was always hold.
0: Yeah. Oh, the other interesting one here as well is um, obviously Sam Burgess is still out with his second week of his suspension. But the other rumor around the traps is that Cam Murray um, failed to finish training. He's got his leg injury that's playing up again that was giving him grief in the pre-season. So he might be in a little bit of doubt as well, which will mate if if someone's got Nathan Brown, Cam Murray, and Sam Burgess yeah, in their side,
1: you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get rid of one of them, aren't you? Four three Oh, for sure.
0: I know, you can't carry those three this week. Your side's just gonna be decimated and you're gonna be playing Jeez, oh, geez, I don't even want to think about what you'd be playing. So that'll be a tough one. I guess at least it's a Thursday night game so um so people can make the changes necessary, but um I I actually think it'll be a good game as well per se, so, but I'm expecting the Roosters to put on quite a few points. And that's why I was thinking about getting on the Madison train as well this week.
1: Yeah, well, I've been on Madison since round one, so I'm pretty happy with that. But I don't think it will be at points first. The Bunnies threw last week against Dragons. They're going a lot better than people expected. So I basically expect this to be a pretty good game and sort of not under 50 points for both teams, I reckon.
0: All right, just so we can argue about it next week, I'm going to go the opposite and say we're going to we're going to win 32-20. to 20.
1: There we go. Yeah, I won't be surprised if the bunnies get up. Ooh. 20 to 18, Bob's going on.
0: We better move on before we make some sort of side bet <laughs> on this one. So the next game up is uh, the Melbourne Storm versus the Newcastle Knights. So the big news and the biggest bombshell of TLT was that Craig Bellamy lost patience with uh, Brodie Croft and dropped him. Um, so we've obviously got Riley Jacks coming in like we spoke about. Kenny Bromwich starting at lock. Tim Glasby back to the bench. I was so surprised in the pre-season the amount of people that were considering Brodie Croft and I was shouting to the heavens in every which way not to do it because he's a 20-year-old halfback that's not going to be great every week. He's going to have his struggles and everyone saw that, that pre-season game and just thought he was going to be God's gift. So I'm not really hugely surprised but that's a pretty big change.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm the same thing with you. I will not would have gone anywhere near him. But anyway, Riley Jacks was always through the system all the way through last year. I think there was, there's always going to be a rotation between them, both of them being young hours. Uh, I don't think either of them are going to lock down the spot, but yeah, we'll see what happens in
0: the <laughs> Joey Stimson's back on the bench as well, with Kafusi, Hoffman and Bromage doing the, the back row duties in the starting spots. So um, that stinks a little bit for for guys that had him. He, he was, I said last week I like him as a player. It's a shame that he's back on the bench. But,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks a good player but it was never gonna be laughing. Yeah. Super coach often.
0: And this um this shapes as a good clash. The Knights have got Mitch Barnett copying his one week suspension, which is a shame, but SESE moves from prop to lock, which is interesting, and Safiti starts a prop, so I don't think they lose a huge amount. I really like Daniel Safidi as a prop as well. And Jacob Safiti's the the name on the bench as well that comes in. So the Knights looked great last week. This could be a pretty good contest this weekend.
1: And the last few years against the Storm, so this is a pretty big danger game for the Storm. If they, uh, if they lose this one, then they're, they're not sitting very pretty at all.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's going to be a real big one, so I'm expecting a really, really good game, this one. And the next one as well, bit of a local rivalry again. It's, um, it's a really good round. The Dragons versus the Sharks at Wynn Stadium. These ones are always good, except for this year, where they played and they threw up an absolute stinker. So... I'm hoping that it's going to be more on history side of um, some quality, intense games and the um, the penalties and the um, the errors that we saw in their first matchup this year. But this one, the Dragons' only change is finally uh, Luciano Leilua is off the bench and Hame Sele takes his spot in the 17th. And with the Sharkies, Josh Dugan comes back and... Finally, we've got Matt Moylan holding the fullback spot and Dugan remaining in the centres with Hodgkins- Hodgkinson at 5'8. Valentine Holmes on the wing. I said in the preseason I thought that was their best lineup, so I reckon that they're going to be a lot better with that. Edric Lee returns on the wing with uh, Fecky out as well, and uh, Segi's not there, but that's not too significant. But what is significant is that they do have a young prop on the bench, Kurt Dillon, per so that means that they're going to have four forwards on the bench for all the uh, gallon and uh, for feeder watches.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get too many minutes, but yeah, it's interesting that Spine's finally coming. We both talked about it, That it was only a matter of time before that's what would happen.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and they've been struggling The sharks are points, so it makes sense that that's what they're going with. I'll be very interested to see if the sharks can go with the Dragons. The dragons are doing phenomenal at the start of the season, so. Be very interesting for me.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in this one too. I actually think it'll be a tight affair. One to twelve dragons win is what I'll call for that one for our betting partners.
1: Sharks are um, sharks are in a fair bit of Barney if they don't get up this week. Starting to lose touch with the looters.
0: Yeah, they are, and I think a bit of pressure will be falling on Flano as well. Yeah, so it's going to be a big one. Next one we got are uh, the Warriors versus the Broncos, and this is a big one for the Broncos, not really for the Warriors, who uh, can't seem to lose this year. Warriors wise, we've got the same side. I was sort of expecting Simon Mannering to probably come in as a late change, though. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not
1: sure. I don't know if Kearney uh, will him in. Obviously, Mannering will be playing edge this year. coming for Pulu if he does. But uh, the Warriors are travelling really good at the moment. So. They're more wooden spoon tip this year. So. <laughs>
0: Mate, they're mind too. We spoke yeah. about it a lot of times, and we're both looking a bit silly at the moment about that wooden spoon tip.
1: But uh, They're playing some really good footy. The forward pack looks really staunch. But uh, I reckon the Broncos have got a massive task in their hands this week. They'll be doing very well if they can complete in this game. Well, this is going
0: to be my upset of the round. Broncos to beat the Warriors this week. And I'm going to consider captaining Milford. There's my big calls for this week. Not saying I'll do it, but I'm going to think about it quite a bit. And very big,
1: hairy brawls there.
0: <laughs> well, the only real difference for the Broncos is that Alex Glenn's back from his shoulder injury. So Sewers on the bench and Tomo returns to the 18 jersey. Big game for the Broncos. That's why I reckon that they're going to get up. But every single game so far, I'm really looking forward to see. Even this next one with the Cowboys versus the Bulldogs. A few players over the years have gone between these teams, including JT, leaving the Dogs to go up to the Cowboys. So these two always seem to put on a pretty good pretty good show as well. Lachlan Coote's finally back at fullback for the, for the Cowboys, which is great. Ben Hampton. Moves into center from fullback at the expense of Jarvid Bowen. A few people were looking at Jarvid Bowen maybe because he was getting real cheap in the 230s region for the pricing. He's uh, completely gone now. That's how well he's been playing. And aside from that, they're coming up against a dog side who got done by the Raiders pretty badly. So they'll probably be looking for some redemption. They're named an unchanged 17, but Josh Jackson's probably going to be coming out and they'll get a, uh, a in of either Reese Martin or Renouf. Two Maga, neither of which I know much about at all. So, not too many changes per so What are you expecting from this matchup?
1: Yeah, I, I reckon the um, dogs are in trouble. <laughs> I think the Cowboys might put them in a bit of a show, a bit of a turn of form this week.
0: Cowboys 13 plus, you reckon? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yep. JT Masterclass might be on the cards.
0: I agree with you. It might have to be a BC MILF C Thurston for the real big balls on this weekend's captaincy choices. Next one up is the Raiders versus Eagles. Been really excited about all the other ones, Perso. I don't even know if I want to watch this one.
1: No, it's Saturday night, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I've got a date. I won't see it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not disappointed. I had a look at the jaw today. I thought, hang on, I'm going out on Saturday night. And uh, what am I going to miss? Yeah, not much. (laughs) So It's worked out well.
0: I don't have a date yet, but I'm going to have to talk to my wife. I might um, speak to her right after the pot and make sure that we've got yeah,
1: something to totally it's dinner, mate, because Sunday you've got uh, the Panthers game and then the, the Tigers and Manly as well, so Sunday's a must-watch.
0: <laughs> well, in team news for the Raiders for this one, Jack Whiten missed last week because of the birth of his child, not because of his court appearances or anything like that, but he's got his court date coming up. Very likely you'd think that Nick Kotrick might come back in. Uh, with his court date, I believe, this week. But at the moment, Jack White's back at fullback in the place of Oldfield, is contract on the wing. Austin's been recalled with Sam Williams gone for a few weeks with his knee injury. And Aiden Caesar going into the seven jersey. Other big one is Josh Papali's finally back. It looks like a quintessential drop your Ford star for a week that's been lazy to get a rocket up him and put him back in the side the following week. Still don't see him looking fantastic per so I've got to agree with you there.
1: No, there's a lot of turmoil at the Raiders. I don't like them at all. Interesting to see how Papali go. I reckon now that he's back, he'll play in the middle now, come off the bench. so the way uh, Tarpy and that have been going on the edges. So.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit annoying that the Raiders don't actually play the first bye, do they? No, they don't. So it's a little bit annoying because someone like Papali, you know, he's one of those guys that you kind of hope loses his origin jersey. And then was playing the first buy and loses 200 grand, And he's one of those great trade-ins at buy time that you can get real good value for. But it's not going to happen. So Eels-wise, we've got Clint Gutherson back at fullback, which is a fantastic news for Eels fans. Uh, Will Smith goes back to the bench. Oh, sorry, to the reserves. And Bevan French returns on the wing in place of Josh Hoffman, which, as we mentioned, George Jennings holds his spot. Nathan Brown's gone. So Te Maroa starts, and uh, Kane Evans joins the bench back from injury. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a shuffle here, where the Eels get a couple of quality players in Perso, and but they lose their their best forward in Nathan Brown. I've got no idea what will happen this weekend. Uh, massive loss,
1: massive loss from the forward packs already. So yeah, yeah it's, um, Brown, yeah, that's huge.
0: Or maybe Kenny Edwards will get him the win. Who knows? We'll wait and see. <laughs> <I've seen>
1: people <laughs> around thinking about. Thinking about bringing in by Morale because he's playing their dad. Well, he's a bum. Oh, he, bum.
0: He's a massive bum, but he's, he's bum. cheap and he's got, low, uh, he's got low BE. So, yeah, I can see why he's sticking out. But, nah, yeah, you wouldn't go near him. So then we've got our Sunday matchup, Panthers versus Gold Coast Titans. This is a nice one where I was eyeing off the Eels-Titans back-to-back games for James Maloney. We've got a few shifts here, so Isaiah Yo goes from the back row to centre to cover Wanga Blake, who's out with his ankle injury, and CHN finally starting again with uh, Kate Ellis onto the bench. So I guess the big news here is more going to be around uh, Yo going and CHN going into the starting side, and Wade Egan, the hooker, still on the bench. Guys like James Fisher-Harris should expect to get... Good minutes again, which is nice, and kick out still starting. So a couple of nice turns of fate there to sort of shore up the forward minutes that we all want to see up nice and high.
1: Yeah, well, that bench looks pretty friendly for uh, Fisher Harris with Waiverua, Blakes out, and Yomu to the to the centres. And uh, you got a couple of young blacks on the bench there. I think the, uh, Fisher Harris looks pretty good to maintain his fifty-five, sixty minutes.
0: Yep, and I'm 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 still worried about a Trent Merrin cameo happening this week, but you know I've sold him so. Go out and so.
1: or a doesn't it. He's been playing under. On, on I'm not sure why it is that he's only been playing forty odd minutes. Whether he's got a niggle or something, uh, he's, he's still capable of playing eighty minutes. So.
0: Yeah, well, the the scary thing is that this week against the Titans, even though they had a good win win last week, they've lost Ryan James. Ryan James' suspension, so they got Max King starting at prop for Ryan James, so they lose a fair bit there. Uh, Will Matthews goes back into the back row, and uh, Jack Stockwell comes in to replace Hipgrave on the bench. So Ryan James going, sort of loses some of their punch in the middle there as well. I guess I'm expecting the Panthers pack, I think, to roll through the Titans myself. I'm
1: I'm, I'm not so sure. The girl Garth Brennan factor as well. Titans have been in a little bit of good form lately. I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of those games. Yeah, Ryan James is a massive loss, though. You would expect the Panthers to have a bit too much in the end, but I won't be surprised if um, the Titans are quite plucky through that game.
0: Bit of a question on that. As far as the Brennan connection, there's also quite a significant Bryce Cartwright connection. He's named on the bench again. Do you see him being a late inclusion, to start for Will Matthews being his old side, and, and would you risk... No, it's the... a massive possibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about risking it and running the gauntlet and starting him.
1: He started to look like he's found a little bit of form last week, too, so...
0: This just reeks of one of those one of those games where, you know, someone really wants to stick it to their old club and the coach always gives them a chance to and they get out there and they get to start and they play 60 minutes or something and carve up. I'm excited to watch this one for Bryce Cartwright and that's something we haven't been able to say for a year. <laughs> if
1: he doesn't perform in this week, he's never going to, is he? No, this is the
0: week. If you got him there and you're ever going to play him, play him now. So the, the final game of the round, we've got the Merely Warringah Seagulls versus the West Tigers. So playing it's at Lotto Land Perso. Black and gold War. The Black and gold War, also known as <laughs> Football Circa 1983. I think that style is, but, you know.
1: That's a dirty. No one can score
0: against this. Yep. You don't get the 8-7 scorelines too much these days, but, you know, it's, it's working for you. But the big news out of this one is Tom Travoy, which is back, starting at fullback. I don't own him. Can't fit him. It's a massive shame. I wish he missed a month of footy. Everything else aside from that, Brad Parker was a late scratching last week, but he's back on the wing this week. With Matt and John Wright both missing out, so I'm sure their parents are gutted. And Jack Gazelski will move into the starting side at the expense of Frank Winner's sign, as we spoke about. Coming up against the Tigers side, where Cleary wielded the axe on Tuilela Lahia, who's now out of the side with David Nofaluma back in. It's kind of a musical chairs scenario there, Perso, where every two to three weeks one will replace the other.
1: Yes, yeah, it's ah, it's interesting. Obviously, Cleary's got to play in against certain sides, I would imagine.
0: Josh Reynolds yeah, is back
1: on his. the bench for you too. Yeah, he comes back. Whether he plays or not, I don't know. But I don't know if he might drop back and play. Reggie's for the first week back, but he's a marquee signing. He will if he is off the bench, he'll um, play hooker. So the way Benji and Luke Brooks have been going, he won't mix with the halves too much. But interesting, role well, here hasn't been too bad actually when he did come back in the start. And then uh, from nowhere, Noffallum is back this week, and Thompson's back at fullback. So obviously, he's got plans, but who knows what they are.
0: <laughs> I don't even think Nathan Cleary knows what they are We'll wait and see I don't think his dad gives away much Even to his own son <laughs> at, at Monday Night Dinners The other couple of changes here Jacob Little goes into the starting side And Peter of out completely And Alex Twelve starting at prop for Russell Packer Who's out for six to eight weeks I think you said, Pursa?
1: Yeah, something like six to eight weeks They feared it was going to be longer for a while But it was just MCL, so yeah, six to eight weeks, which is interesting for Twale. Salasso Su comes back on the bench too mm. for the first game of the year. So, big watch on Twale, supercase wise because he's the customer. This just remains to be seen for the minutes. Matalino might end up sneaking a few more minutes now that Packers' gone. Uh, so, it be interesting to watch and see what happens.
0: You know what I'd love Cleary to do? I'd love him to go old school, like we've spoken about plenty of times together in the past, and just say, you know what? I'm not going to play a prop at lock. I'm going to throw Josh Reynolds on 20 minutes into the game and just have like a ball-playing lock running around that's just going to annoy everyone and just be a little grunt and just grub it up everywhere, be a bit of a ball player, run some lines through the middle, support play, all that nice, you know, circa 1997 quintessential lock stuff that you used to see. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah,
1: you and I have a million conversations about this. (laughs) It'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah, it might be his best position, I reckon, especially coming off the bench 20 minutes in. I'm sure they won't do that, but if Cleary decides to get a bit funky, that could really screw up that whole forward pack with the guys that they got on the bench and, you know, someone like Reynolds going in the pack, but I'm sure that they won't do something like that. But it's been spoken about before in um in a few circles. So wait and see. It's gonna be an interesting game. Are you um are you confident that you're going to get another win, or do you think that the Seagulls might actually be on a big bit of a bounce back factor?
1: Yeah, not confident at all. The way we've been going against the sides, we've been going against this. This is that sort of danger game that wreaks A, a turn we will get towed up, especially mainly coming off a bounce back. to away back. They're always better at Lotto Land. A game that the Tigers should win on paper by rights of 2018, but it's another. It's, yeah, I can mainly. Very really good chance of getting up.
0: Yeah, I think mainly Specials this week based on the odds and stuff. I think they're, um, they're not too heavily favoured with the bookies, so might not be a bad bet. So that's uh, that's our TLT for this week, Perso. Some really good games this weekend. Going to be very enjoyable. Oh,
1: it's cracking round of NRL.
0: <laughs> well, as always, mate, thanks for coming on the pod this week. Um, it's been fun, and good luck with your captaincy choices this week. Get any worse, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I haven't got a captain I think they've scored over sixty or so far, I think they've all jagged a sixty one week, the rest of them are all going miserable.
0: Oh, uh, well, hopefully you can get a 65 or something, 65 plus for Perse's captain. Let's um, yeah, get
1: right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, mate. We'll chat again next week. Yeah, mate. Thanks for listening, everyone. Like I said previously, you can uh, follow us on SoundCloud, NRL Supercoach All-Stars, and um, download us or listen to us directly from there. We are also on iTunes where you can download us. A um, couple of questions last week in regards to it. When it goes up on SoundCloud, it's there straight away, guys. If you haven't used SoundCloud before, you can just download the app on your smartphone uh, for free and just uh, stream it straight away and listen to it immediately as soon as I say it's up. It's up. With iTunes, it can take a few hours before they actually approve it and get it up there, so it's not necessarily immediate. But you can listen to us there. You can also follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore Allstars, and um, we'll update you and send out the pods as they become available. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good luck this round.